Cause I got it greater, I got it stronger. God, you are higher than any other. I got a healer, awesome and power. I got, I got. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. There's none like you. Cause I got it greater. I got it stronger. God, you are higher than any other. And I got a sealer. Awesome in power. I got, I got. Yes, I got it greater. I got it stronger. God, you are Oh, your grace, so 
Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading two things quickly number one you have an inheritance stored in heaven that is a promise awaiting you one day amen But that verse also says you have been born again to a living hope, which is right now. And so in Jesus, we have a living hope 
as we look forward to that inheritance that is stored up and waiting for us in heaven. And Jesus is worthy of our praise. So let's give him our praise one more time. All right, remain standing and with that same energy, welcome those around you. If you will make your way back to your seats, and while you're heading there, let me just say good morning and welcome uh, to Northside Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you are here today uh, to worship with us on a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. Um, so thank you for being here. If this is your first time, or maybe your first time in uh, a while, welcome or welcome back. We are thankful that you're here. We just want you to know that we've been praying for you. Um, maybe we didn't even know you by name, but people have been praying for those that the Lord would bring, that we would be able to just to serve you, to love you well, and uh, hopefully um, to point you and lead you to Jesus Christ if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if there's any way that we can pray for you, encourage you, help you, seek out myself. Pastor Gary's over here. You can seek out Pastor Gary. Find somebody nearby and just say, hey, will you pray with me? Uh, will you encourage me? If this is your first time, we would appreciate it if you would let us know. You can do that. There's a QR code inside the bulletin. You can scan that, fill out some information, or we do have some connection cards out there um, in the foyer. You can fill one out um, on your way out. Just a couple um, of announcements to make. Uh, Ecuador, if you are interested in Ecuador at all, we have two partnerships going on there right now, the Moss and the Yanceys. So if you are interested in that, we have an informational meeting this afternoon at 4.30, um, Mark, where's that going to be at? Where is Mark? Oh, he's at Royal today? Oh, he, this morning he is. I knew I saw him. Okay. You know where that's going to be? Just come. You'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you. I knew I saw him, and I was like, I don't see him now. Um, so he's at Royal, I'm sure, sharing um, about the mission trip. So that, that's exciting. So we have that. If you are interested at all, this is not a commitment, but if you just feel the Lord's working in your heart, you want to learn more, please come uh, at 4.30. The IF gathering is next weekend, so Friday and Saturday. If you haven't signed up, you can do that. They'll be right out here in the foyer. Ladies, you can sign up for that. We are having child care, so if you need child care, and that's what's preventing you from coming, we are offering that. Just let them know when you sign up, um, and, and we will be here to take care of your kiddos. 
The last thing I want to mention, and I have a couple announcements at the end of the service, is you see that we're having a barbecue fundraiser for our students. That's going to be next Sunday. Those students who are going to camp are going to be helping plate everything. Um, it's, it's Mazden's barbecue, so if you've had it, you don't want to miss it. It is incredible. Um, so here's what it's going to look like. We're just off asking you to donate to help offset the cost of camp. Like anything, inflation prices, the prices of camp have gone up. Um, last year, y'all were amazing, and kids only had to pay $75. We may not get there this year, but we still want to help them as much as we can. So the way it's going to work next week is you can give next week. There's no set amount. You can donate it, and it's all going to be boxed up. So the line will go quickly. It's boxed up. We'll have places for you to sit if you want to eat here. If you need to go home, you have something going on, you can just grab some boxes and then head home, and you don't have to sit and be here for an hour, hour and a half like a, a normal meal would be. So we're giving you the option. Eat here, or you can take it. It'll be all boxed up, ready to go for you, and so we don't want you um, to miss that. So once a month, um, for now like the last six to seven months, we've been trying to focus on either some of our different missionaries that we support or different local missions that we support. And one of our deacons, um, Steve Smith, who is a Gideon, brought up the Gideon ministry that he's part of and, and, and maybe a possibly a Gideon speaker coming. So my previous church in Florida, we had Gideon speakers come a couple different times, and I was always encouraged as they would come, and he'll share, we have Larry Stallings with us this morning, he's going to come share for a few minutes about the ministry, but what I love hearing is how God uses the Bible, the Word of God, the Scriptures that are passed out, maybe at schools or in a hotel, to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, and so they do an incredible work of getting the mission, doing the work of evangelism, partnering with the churches as we work together to take the scriptures and the gospel forward. So would you all welcome Larry as he comes and shares? Thank you, Northside Baptist. It's, it is good to be with you this morning. I want to start by asking you a question. What is the value of placing the Word of God? I want to share some testimonies with you this morning that I believe tells us a little bit about the value and how important it is to get the Word out to a lost and dying world. Uh, in India, there's a young lady by the name of Asha. Asha loved reading, and uh, so anything she got, she read it through. One day, some Gideons were privileged to make a Bible distribution there at her school. She received a little testament. Uh, Asha took it home, and she read it through within just a very few days. Holy Spirit began to work upon her life, and she received the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. Well, uh, she told her father, and uh, he wasn't too happy about it. He became enraged and didn't like this, that she had uh, left the Hindu faith, and now uh, she is a Christian trusting Christ and uh, but he let her go on didn't he thought it would just be something that would pass on well Asha uh, she prayed uh, that uh, the Lord would somehow reach uh, her mother and father's heart and save them also Asha uh, one day with some of her friends they went on a little picnic down by a riverside and that day came a flash flood Asha and her four friends were washed away well uh, uh, when word got back to Asha's father, he began to uh, pray to his gods, 
He offered up some sacrifices, gave gifts to his guru in order that his daughter might be returned to him safe and sound. Well, a few days passed, and they found Lelasha and the other four friends that she had, and they'd all drowned in that flash flood. Well, after the services that they had for Asha, he began to go through some of her things, heartbroken, and uh, he ran across uh, her diary that she was keeping. He began to read through that. He got towards the time that she had gave her, Christ, her uh, life to Christ, and uh, he began to read there. And uh, she said in one of her prayers that she had recorded, she said, Dear God, I'd be willing to give my life if it meant that my mother and father would come to know you also as their personal Lord and Savior. Well, that encouraged him to get that little testament was laying there in a room. He began to read from that testament. It wasn't long that both he and his mother, or uh, him and his, his wife gave their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, what is the value of placing God's word? We still give this in, to the fifth graders, and I hope that uh, in Coweta they're still able to do this. Some counties in the state of Georgia we cannot go in. Uh, this is one I, I, I sense that we have a lot of military people here. This is we, what we give to the military and those that are in law enforcement. Uh, when I went into service, uh, and some of you gentlemen that are old like me, it was black. <laughs> you know, but this is real neat here that we have for that. Uh, there's, uh, I want to uh, share with you uh, quickly, uh, Mr. Jewell, who was a War, War II veteran, lived in Ohio, and uh, in 2005, January, uh, he went outside uh, as he was sitting one Sunday morning at his table and just to look around, and as he turned around to go back to his house, he noticed up on his roof uh, uh, something was up there. So he got his ladder, retrieved it, come to find out that it was a little orange Bible like this. We use this little orange Bible for festivals and fairs and things like that. Uh, maybe we can't go into a school system, but we can stand on the sidewalk, and this is the one that we use for that. And so Mr. Jewell retrieved that little testament, took it, laid it on his table where he sat in the kitchen, and thought about it. How in the world did that Bible get up there? Nobody knows but God himself. And uh, so uh, he thought about it, and uh, he said, well, you know, maybe God's trying to say something to me. And uh, he considered himself to be a good person on his way to heaven. But as he picked up that book and began to read from it, he realized that he was lost and he needed Jesus Christ. So through that testament that was up on his roof, he received the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, our wives make up uh, our auxiliary. We as men, we're business and professional men. And so everything that we do, everywhere we go, last week I was in uh, Jeffersonville, uh, today, and I don't know, they've got a lot of good speakers here in Coweta County, I know, because I know a few of them, and, uh, but they had asked me to come and share a little bit, and I was willing to do so, like to go and share, uh, but our wives make up the auxiliary, and this is what we call the PWT, this is theirs, they buy this with their own money, uh, and give it out whenever uh, an opportunity arises, uh, but uh, Mr. Jewell, uh, uh, he received uh, that little testament, and it wasn't long that he gave his heart to Christ. And uh, the next month in February, Mr. Jewell went to his doctor and found out that he had terminal cancer. So it wasn't long that he passed away. But you know what? One day I'm going to see Mr. Jewell in glory because God saved his soul. And uh, 
So we have a lot of wonderful testimonies that we're able to share. Uh, there's three ways that you can help us as Gideons. First of all is pray. Pray that God will continue to open up doors for us that we can be able to go out uh, and share uh, the uh, word of God to those that are lost. A second way is to give. You'll have an opportunity this morning to give if you'd like to. I know you give monthly, uh, but you might also want to give this morning. But uh, we have this uh, Memorial Bible Rack, and it's here somewhere. And uh, we'd encourage you to use it in recognition, maybe for a birthday, anniversary, something like that. Thank of you, my wife uses this quite often. I might be walking through the kitchen, she's sitting at the table, and she's writing on one of these cards, sending Bibles to someone that she's concerned about. And then in memory, and uh, uh, we all have people that we know that die, loved ones and friends, and this is a good way. I work at one of the funeral homes there in Thomaston, and uh, we, we're always thankful when people take that and use that to spread the word of God. Uh, and there's uh, another way that you can help us is uh, new members. Matthew 9, 27 and 28, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, there's a great harvest out there, but their laborers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send more labor. So dear friend, we're looking for men and women to be a part of this great work that God has given unto us. I want to thank the pastor for allowing me to be here and for uh, you, your support church. But I want to close with one more testimony. And this is very dear to my heart. And uh, Mr. Chastine was a Gideon in uh, Arkansas, went to New York City uh, to visit some friends there who were also Gideons. And he was invited, him and his wife, to per participate in a Bible distribution at a nursing home. Well, they wanted to go and help, and so they went to this nursing home that was 17 stories high. Well, as they began to go to the different uh, floors, uh, uh, the wives, they would give out what uh, a little white testament to the nursing staff and go into the uh, uh, residence rooms and give a little Bible there. And Mr. Chastain, the Gideon, he would take the big ones and go into the cafeteria or either into the uh, 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 library or something like that that they would have on the different floors. And Mr. Chastain went into one of the rooms and in the cafeteria, gave out some of these, test these Bibles. And uh, as he was leaving, he nosed over against the wall, all by himself, an elderly gentleman in a, in a wheelchair. So he walked over there, patted him on the shoulder, and said, Sir, how you doing today? And they struck up a conversation. And Mr. he asked him uh, the gentleman's name. He said, My name is Mr. Crenshaw. So Mr. Crenshaw said, Where are you from, young man? He said, Well, I'm from Arkansas, and I've come all this way to tell you that Jesus loves you. And he said, well, you know, nobody's ever done that before. Well, they talked on a few minutes, and uh, Mr. Chastain says, sir, uh, where would you go if you was to die? He said, well, you know, I'd like to think that I'd go to heaven, but I don't know how. Nobody's ever told me. Well, at that moment, Mr. Chastain knelt down beside him, and he opened up his little testament in Romans chapter number, nine, or chapter number 10. And he began to read from verse number 9. And he says, Sir, can you read this? And he said, yes. So he gave it to him, and Mr. Crenshaw said, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Mr. Crenshaw said, I want to do that right now. So they had a word of prayer. Mr. Crenshaw gave his heart to Christ. As he was, Mr. Chastain, the Gideon, was getting ready to hit leave, he said, sir, I want to ask you one more question. 
He said, how old are you? He said, next month I'll be 101 years of age. We are supposed to be living in a Christian nation. And nobody had ever told him how to go to heaven. Dear friend, what is the value of placing the word of God? What we're going to do at the end of the service, Steve Smith, who's one of our deacons and also a Gideon himself, he's going to be out here with an offering plate. If you want to give this morning uh, to support the ministry of the Gideons, getting the copy of God's Word into the hands of people, uh, if you have some cash on you, um, you can do that on your way out. That's just an opportunity for you, one way um, to serve. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, your Word says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Thank you, God, for the men and women who are faithful to tell each and every one of us about Jesus Christ. Because apart from that good news, we are lost and going to hell. Thank you for the men and women right now who are actively sharing that good news, who are seeking to make disciples, who are living out Jesus' command to be fishers of men. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you have put the Word of God in our hands. God, for allowing us to live in this time in which, Father, we have more access to your Word than any generations before us. Oh, God, may we not neglect to read it, to study it, to be changed and shaped by it. But, God, may we not neglect to also share it with men and women who, apart from Jesus Christ, have no future inheritance, have no living hope but are cut off from you and alienated. God, use us, we pray. Thank you for Mr. Larry, for the work of the Gideons. Lives in here have probably been impacted either directly or indirectly through a Gideon placing a Bible, the Scriptures in somebody's hand. So thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Let's sing some hymns together.
choir. All right, at this time, our children are going to make their way to Children's Church. So we have a pre-K class, and then we have our kindergarten through second grade class. So you can make your way out there to the foyer. Everyone else, if you will take your copy of God's Word and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We are in a two-week um, series, if you will, just thinking about what is the mission uh, that Jesus has given to us. What is that mission? What does that look like? What are we called um, to do? Who are we called to be? And so that's where we have been. Um, next week, we are going to start a seven-week series just looking at salvation. What is salvation? We're going to see that everything is in Jesus. We're going to look at things like redemption and conversion and regeneration and justification, sanctification, glorification, adoption, trying to understand, unpack those big words that we use to make sure that we um, all understand. So Matthew chapter 4, if you have your copy of God's Word, Matthew chapter 4, we're going to come back to these verses um, a little bit different than I normally preach. I usually have a text and we work our way through it. But as we think big picture, what has God called us to do? These are the verses we're going to look at, but then we're also going to do some practical stuff um, this morning, thinking how does Northside carry out this mission? So if you would please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. I'm going to read Matthew 4, verses 18 through 20. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Father, this morning we are the people of God who have gathered in the presence of God, singing praises to our God. And now we are going to sit under the preaching of your word. Lord, you have called us to a very important mission, commanded us. Oh God, may we be faithful. May we be faithful to be disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just a quick recap where we were last week. Last week, we zeroed in on the Great Commission. We went through that verse by verse, phrase by phrase. We saw Jesus makes a claim. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He then issues a command or a mission. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing, teaching. And then he gives them a promise. I'm with you always to the end of the age. And we focused in on right the, the mission, the command is sandwiched in between the claim and the promise. We can't lose sight of that but there is a mission and that mission is we are to make disciples and we make disciples by going baptizing and teaching and so if that is the command the last words of Jesus in the gospel of Matthew then the last words of Jesus ought to be our first priority and so right the mission and churches word this all differently and so this is just our mission is simply this we are going to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. If we're to make disciples, and that means you are part of that, you are to be a disciple, and then you are to make disciples. So we're to make disciples. So the question then becomes, well, what does a disciple look like? What does a disciple look like? So Luke chapter 6, verse 40, um, this should be on the screen here, a disciple is not above his teacher, 
but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So Jesus says, right, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when they are fully trained. So a fully trained disciple is going to look like whom? Their teacher. They're going to look like their teacher. So to be fully trained is to be like your teacher. In the Gospels, we read phrases like, his disciples came to him, or his disciples followed him, or the disciple is to be like his teacher, or his disciples believed in him. Henry Morris writes, a disciple is to learn from his teacher so that when his training is complete, he will be just like his master. The disciple is to be like his master. So the question, this will be on the screen, what does a fully trained disciple look like? Uh, Alex, if you'll throw that picture up. A fully trained disciple doesn't really look like a Big Mac. But there's an illustration here. So McDonald's right now is not having right these groups, these focus groups talking about what should a Big Mac look like. They have already told us what a Big Mac looks like. There's no questions, no focus groups. And some of you, right, you know the jingle from years ago. I don't know the jingle, so I'm going to have to read it. But you, I don't eat Big Macs. You know what it is. And I've confirmed the rumor that Ryan told me, and she said I could say her name. Miss Carol Stewart knows this so well, she can do it backwards. But I'm not going to distract us with that. But if you want to hear her do it backwards later, she can do it for you. So what is a Big Mac? It has two all-beef patties, special sauce, cheese, pickles, onions, and lettuce on a? See? We remember the things, right? You remember. That's what a Big Mac is. They don't have to have focus groups. Listen, as the church, we don't have to have focus groups asking what is a Big Mac. Or what is a Big Mac? What is a disciple? <laughs> we, Carol can tell us what a Big Mac is. Um, so we don't have to have those conversations, right? We know what, um, what a disciple is. Now, we may have conferences talking about how do we make disciples. We don't have to have conferences to say what is a disciple because all we have to do is look to Jesus. That's all we have to do. A disciple of Jesus seeks to imitate Christ, seeks to be like Christ. So we seek to imitate right the character of Christ and the conduct of Christ. To be a disciple of Jesus means you're going to look like Jesus. You're going to look like Jesus in your character, who you are. You say, well, where could we see that? Well, you could go to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 6. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, oh. Right? You, what does it look like to look like Jesus? Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace? These things that are true of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is bringing about in us, are they true of us? So the character of Christ. But then we also can look to the conduct of Christ. That is what we do, how we're living. You just look to Jesus. What did Jesus do? Over and over we see Jesus spending time with the Father. Okay, then that must be a priority. 
To be like Jesus means we too must spend time with the Heavenly Father. So to be a disciple means in our character and in our conduct, we are going to imitate Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple. And when we think about what we are to do, Jesus teaches us something in Matthew chapter 4. These are the verses that we read at the beginning. And so I want you to look through this. Now, as I was doing some reading on this, I was reading a book by Jim Putman called Real Life Discipleship. And Jim broke this down in a really easy way for me to grasp that really kind of helped me think through this. So Jesus makes a statement to these first who will be disciples, followers of Jesus. And he says it in verse 19. And he said to them, and we're going to break this down three ways, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, this is an invitation, I will make you fishers of men. So what Jim Putman says is when Jesus says, follow me, he's starting at the head level. Follow me. These disciples in that moment had heard about Jesus, seen Jesus, maybe spent some time with Jesus. When you read the first three chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, you see things about Jesus. He's the Christ. He's Emmanuel, God with us. In chapter 2, you see that he's king, and the, the wise men are going to worship him. You get into chapter 3, and you see the baptism of Jesus. The Father saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Right? You see the Spirit, the dove descend upon him, the Spirit of God upon him. You see him defeat Satan right, in the temptation. He does not give into temptation like Adam. So if you're just reading this, you've already seen some things about Jesus. And then you read Jesus and in, in, invite them to follow me. And in that moment, when Jesus says, follow me, they've got to make an intellectual decision. Is Jesus who he says he is and is he worth following? When you hear, right, when they're reading scripture, a Bible placed in them, they're having to read through this intellectually and think is Jesus worth following? Is Jesus who he says he is? And did he do what he said he did? And am I willing to follow him? So a disciple knows and follows Christ. You know who Jesus is. Now, you may be a babe in Christ. You may not know a lot about Jesus, but you are going to continue to learn about Jesus. So a disciple knows and follows Christ, but it doesn't stay with the head level because look what jesus says this is important follow me and i will what make you jesus is saying to them that word make means to cause to be to result in to bring about jesus is going to take them from something they are not and he's going to make them into something different they are not fishers of men they're fishermen all they care about is catching fish. And Jesus is going to make them from that into their life devoted to fishing for men. He's going to make them. And so Jim Putman said it goes from the head level to the heart level. A disciple is being changed by Christ. Hear me. If you're a disciple of Jesus, there will be evidence in your life of Jesus changing you. There's evidence that you're a disciple. Let me just give you some examples. John 8, 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So a disciple of Jesus is going to abide in his word. John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. A disciple, it should be evidenced by their loving one another. 
John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my what? Commandments. It's going to be evidence. You love me, you're following me, and you're going to be living this life of obedience. Not perfectly, but obeying the commandments. John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. A disciple of Jesus is going to bear fruit in keeping with repentance and faith in who Jesus is. A disciple is going to look like his master. And then he says, follow me, and I will make you, I'll make you what? Fishers of men. Fishers of men. Jim Putman says this is the hands level. A disciple is committed to the mission of Christ. What is the mission of Christ? Well, here in chapter 4, he calls them to be fishers of men. Chapter 28, he'll expand upon that. Go make disciples. Fishers of men are concerned to rescue people who were lost and don't know Jesus, to bring them in to a relationship with Jesus, and then to help them grow so that they become fully trained disciples. Jesus invests within these men, these disciples. He trains them, and then he sends them out. They're fully trained. But notice this. They're not fully developed. Sometimes we think, listen, I can't go tell people about Jesus. I can't go be a witness until I'm fully developed. Hear me. You're never going to be a fully developed Christian. That's what you spend all of your life doing. And then you'll die, and you'll enter into the presence of Jesus, and one day you'll be glorified in a glorified body. But you live out your days becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And look what it says. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. The Greek word for followed conveys the idea of following as a disciple who is committed to imitating the one he follows. So it's simple. Jesus says, I'm going to make you into fishers of men. And then he tells us to go make disciples. So it's, it's simple. This isn't complex. We are to be disciples Followers of Jesus who imitate Jesus, who look more like Jesus, who act like Jesus in our character, in our conduct, and then we are to make disciples of Jesus. It doesn't mean we force them to be disciples, but it means we're helping them, coming alongside of them to make disciples, followers of Jesus. Now, how do we do that? And this is where I want to get practical for the remainder of our time. Because you can go into any church, and when I went to seminary, I took classes, right? You got your vision statement, your mission statement, your value statement. Like, what are you going to be about as a church? And so what are we going to be about as a church? What's going to drive us? Well, ultimately, it's going to be we're disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. We're going to be, and then we're going to beget. We want to see new disciples born out of what God is doing in our Heart. So how are we going to do that? Well, we focus here on four B's. And you can throw these up on the screen for me. This isn't something I came up with. This is something that BJ, who was the associate pastor at the time, he was using these with the students. And so I came in and I was like, man, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. He's already got this going, so let's bring this into a church-wide thing. Now, I changed one of the B's from blessed to beyond because it's a B-E, and I'm kind of I just my mind works that way. The others are BEs, and so let's the other word be a BE. It doesn't flow as well. Believe, belong, become, beyond. Like we have to go beyond, but still, beyond. So these are the four Bs. So what I want to do for the remainder of our time is I want to walk through each of these four Bs, and I want to give you 
And there's a lot more that we could say, a lot more that we could focus on. But for each of these, I want to give you two values. Two things that are going to be focal in every area that we do of ministry. That if we're going to be disciples who make disciples, these things have to be center or central if we're going to carry out this great commission. Now, there are other things that we could say, other things that we could emphasize, but this is what the Lord has laid upon my heart. So the first B, if we're going to be a disciple, is we have to start with believing. You have to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And again, there's more that we could say that He's Savior, He's Christ, but He is the Son of God. He's he's the the second person of the Trinity. He's the Son of God. We have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and we have to believe the Bible has the ultimate authority for truth. I think that's important in the culture in which we live, in which the Bible is under attack. So if we're going to do this, if we want everyone who comes into this door to believe in Jesus as the Son of God and the Bible as the ultimate authority for truth, there's two things that we have to value. Number one is gospel centrality. Gospel centrality. In everything we do, Jesus Christ must be center. It's all about the gospel in everything. Whether that is upward, which it is about the gospel, whether it's coaches or testimonies or devotions on Saturday, it's about the gospel. Whether that's Awana, whether that's men's ministry, women's ministry, Sunday school, whatever it is, We are about the gospel. That's ultimately what we center our lives on. So 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about this, right, of of first importance when he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. So what does Paul say is of first importance? That Jesus died for our sins, that he was raised from the dead, and that he appeared. There's evidence that he is alive. So listen, as long as we, as a church, keep Jesus and the gospel at the center, then we will continue to live out the mission. But hear me, the second Jesus isn't the center, and our preferences or our opinions or our understanding becomes the center, or what a man-made tradition is the center, then we are derailed, we begin to fight within, and then we cease doing the mission. The gospel has to be central. If you're a teacher, every week you got to be talking about the gospel, taking your kids to the gospel. The second thing that I think we should value if we're going to believe is authentic worship. Authentic worship. When I talk about authentic worship, we could preach an entire sermon on this, but I'm thinking specifically of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 which says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. If we're going to be disciples, then what that means is you are offering up your entire life unto Jesus Christ. Everything in your life belongs to Jesus. And everything you do can be an act of worship as all of your life is lived as an act of worship. What I have seen tragically, sometimes in my own life, growing up in the church because we failed to make disciples and we made it more about converts, is what you have are many Christians who compartmentalize their life. 
Jesus, you get Sunday morning, but my work, my play, what I do at home, it's mine to do with. And I would say, then you're not a follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because a disciple of Jesus looks like Jesus, and all of Jesus' life was lived to the glory of the Father. And so what we do on Sunday mornings matters absolutely. Y'all, during um, death was arrested, I mean, I had my handkerchief out, and I was just crying. You know why? Because there's a couple girls sitting behind me that were singing so loud. And I just wanted to stop and say, church, that's what it looks like to worship Jesus. Like he's alive and we come and we want to sing and we want to praise. And so we have kids choir on Wednesday nights. I believe our kids are learning to sing because they're doing it together. They're learning. This is what it looks like to worship Jesus. But hear me, these girls could sing like crazy to Jesus on Sunday morning and then go live like the world the rest of the week. And Jesus isn't pleased with that, right? He wants all of our life. And so if we want people to be disciples and make disciples, they've got to believe in Jesus, the gospel's at the center, and then all of our life is lived as a worship. Church, hear me. Everything you do, what you do tomorrow morning can be an act of worship to the Lord. And your job at Kroger, the person that's waiting on you, right? you have an act of worship right there. You can honor the Lord in all of that, and so believe. Second, is we not only want them to believe, we want them to belong. To belong to a local church and live out the gospel in community with other followers of Jesus. And Man, you talk to people today. You talk to people my age and older. Are you a believer? Are you a Christian? Use the word Christian, not a believer. Are you a Christian? Yes. Do you go to church? No. The number of people that answer, yes, I'm a Christian, no, I don't go to church. I haven't gone to church in a long time, right? We are to belong. So two values, two values. Number one is fellowship. Fellowship, a fellowship that is relational, like we want to build relationships with one another, and a fellowship that is sacrificial. Hear me, not sacrificing our convictions, but at times sacrificing our preferences, Sacrificing our preferences for the good of a person or the body so that we can be uplifted. But then the second thing we're going to value is families. And by families, I don't mean a mom and a dad with kids. When I say family, I'm talking about households. Your household may have seven people, four people, three people. Your household may have one person. But here's the thing. Every single one of you and your household matters to me and it needs to matter to this church. And you ought to want to matter to one another. So I'm, I'm reading a book on, on discipleship, um, J.T. English, Deep Discipleship, and he writes this. In the New Testament, the local church is portrayed as a family, as the household of God. Through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, we become members of the family of God, which is manifested in the local church. So what does that mean? If you can follow Jesus apart from the local church, meaning you can be a Christian and never go to church, here's what you are. You are a spiritual orphan. Because orphans have no moms, no dads, no siblings, no family. It's just them. You're a spiritual orphan. 
So the question then is this, is that biblical? Because what the Bible talks about is being sons and daughters, not spiritual orphans. So J.T. English writes, spiritual orphans do not have spiritual fathers and mothers to care for them. They do not have spiritual siblings to encourage them. They do not have their own spiritual sons and daughters to grow in the faith. Spiritual orphans have no need to consider the rest of the family just themselves. But hear me, discipleship isn't pursued by being a spiritual orphan. Discipleship is pursued by being a son and daughter of the king, which means you have been brought into the family of God, which means you cannot grow apart from a local church. It is not God's design. And you and I need to understand that. And when the Lord brings new people in, it's up to us to bring them in, to love on them, and to see them get connected, not just to participate from a distance. As a family, we care about one another. We're responsible for one another. You weep with those who weep. You rejoice with those who rejoice. We do it together. And hear me, true discipleship doesn't ultimately take place on a Sunday morning for an hour. And it doesn't really take place in a Sunday school setting. You know where true discipleship takes place? When you sit down with one or two people and you do life together. And you can open God's word and you can work through things and you help them become more like Jesus. That's where you really begin to see people start following Jesus. Third, become. We've got to go through the rest of these quickly. Become. Become like Jesus in the way we live, love, obey, and serve the body of Christ. Jesus is going to take us from what we are not and he's going to make us something else. So two core values. And man, this is just on my heart so much right now. Number one is prayer. Number one is prayer. Acts 1.14 says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Listen, you will not become more like Jesus apart from prayer. If you desire to see God do a work in Northside, listen, that's not going to happen apart from prayer. If you desire to see a, a family member saved, a, a, a child saved, a neighbor saved, listen, that's not going to happen apart from prayer. Why? Because you don't do the saving. But I thank God that, that somebody's salvation, if they come in here, it's not up to me. Because if it's up to me, we're all going to hell. I'm just not good enough to do that. It's not up to me. It's up to Jesus. And we have to be a people who are depending upon God in prayer to say, God, you do what only you can do. And when you do it, man, we're going to celebrate. But here's the second thing. And again, this is one that is overlooked, and that is transformation. Transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Through Jesus, we've been reconciled with God, made right with God. We've been saved and redeemed and rescued. We have been made right with God. Therefore, we now have the ministry of reconciliation. That's important. But what's he say before that? If anyone is in Christ, he's a what? New creation. New in other words, when you come to meet Jesus, you cannot stay the same. You can't. Because Jesus changes lives. 
and he radically changes lives. And so we want to teach from our children to our seniors. We are all still in the process of becoming more like Jesus. No one in this room has arrived. Maybe you have retired from work. Praise the Lord. You don't retire from being more like Jesus and serving Jesus. We keep doing that, and he keeps working in us, but we do expect people, when they give their life to Jesus, there's going to be change. Now, hear me. Sometimes that change is in an instant, and we could have testimonies of that. You came to Jesus, and your passion for drugs or alcohol or sex, I mean, it was gone. Like, he rescued you from that in an instant. But then we also could give testimony where there have been times where slowly, day after day, the Spirit is transforming us as we walk with Him. But He is doing that work of transformation. And then lastly, we go beyond. We go beyond the walls of NBC to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our neighbors and the nations. Um, just, keep, just keep listening. Keep hanging on with me. So two values if we're, gonna, if we're really going to go beyond. Number one is we have to value the lost. I was saved at the age of 10. I'm now 43. 33 years of my life has been following Jesus. I think sometimes for us as Christians, we've known Jesus so long and we follow Jesus for so long that we have forgotten what it is like to be lost. To be without Jesus and therefore without hope. And so we are not compelled to go to those who have no hope because we have forgotten what it is like to be on our way to hell. Listen, church, we have to plead with God that he would give us a heart for the lost people, for our unbelievers, because Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. And if we're going to represent Jesus, that means we have to be concerned about the lost. And so I want you to begin to ask the Lord, if you're not already doing this, God, who in my circle doesn't know you? Make it known to me because I want to begin to pray for them and plead for them. And then God, give me doors of opportunity so that I can begin to share Jesus with them because I don't want them to live in hell for all eternity. And then the last thing that we need to value is missions. Because this is what we're called to do. Go make disciples, right? Go to the ends of the earth. So this is, this is our mission, to be disciples and make disciples by believe, by belong, by becoming, and by going beyond. So let me conclude with two statements that I heard several weeks ago that just were like a punch to the gut. As we think, as we land the plane, and as we get ready to sing, number one is this. Satan doesn't have to make you bad, just busy. Are you actively following Jesus? Are you actively making disciples of Jesus? And if not, why not? Now, for some of you, your answer may be, Pastor, I'm just in sin right now. Like, I'm enslaved to a sin. I just don't care about that. I'm just, I'm living for me. I'm only concerned about me. And that's why I'm not doing it. But my guess is that's only a few of you. The reason you're not making a disciple is not because you're doing bad things. It's just because you're busy with other things. 
your priorities and my priority gets out of whack. And so we just need to come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent. This is what you've called me to. This is what I'm to give my life to. And I've allowed other things to take my focus off of that. So restore my focus. What needs to change in my life? What needs to go? What do I need to add so that I can be growing, so that I can be changed through the Holy Spirit, so that I can be praying and I'm in the Word and I'm helping others make disciples? So that was the first. Satan doesn't have to make you bad, just busy. And then the second was this. And man, this is hitting me. It's easy to say no when there's a greater yes burning within. Many of us have said no to making disciples because there's a greater burning yes in our heart for something else. And so therefore, when we have opportunities to make disciples, it's no because that will infringe upon my tea times or my overtime or my kids whatever they're doing and so we say no to the great commission because we have a greater yes to do something else burning within and so we just need to ask the lord jesus to change our hearts because hear me when we begin to have a burning desire to see lost people saved and those saved people discipled then we will say yes to that and no to everything else that keeps us from doing that. And even when we do the other stuff, like going to a baseball game, even in then, it's our burning desire. Okay, Jesus, who around me needs you? Who can I pray for? Maybe there's a conversation. Or when you're in the grocery store, you now have this desire as you're walking the aisles. Okay, Lord, is there anybody here that needs a word of encouragement? Who can I pray for? Because that's the desire of your heart. You've called me to be a disciple who makes disciples. And that's what he's called us to do. Listen, church, we can do a lot of good things. We do a lot of good things. We are a busy church. We're one of the few churches that still do Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's probably rare these days. We do a lot of good things, but in those good things, we've got to make sure we're always doing the best thing, which is to be disciples who make disciples. And if we're not doing that, then that's what we've got to be about. That's the mission. We're all called to it as believers. Are you being faithful and obedient to be fishers of men, to take the word of God and to put it into the hands of other men and women? Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father, you are a gracious God. You're, you're the saving God who has rescued us from sin and hell, and you call us, O oh God, to be fishers of men, fishers of women, to make disciples. Father, maybe the reason we're not making disciples is because we were never discipled ourselves. We were never taught but a fully trained disciple looks like his master. Therefore, Jesus, we are to follow you and look like you. And we've missed many opportunities in many years because we have not been discipled. Father, would you just forgive us and change that, change our desires as we begin to want to follow you? Father, maybe we were discipled and the things of life have just kept us from making disciples. We're doing good things, but we're not focused on the best thing which is to see people saved and following after Jesus. Father, maybe we are making disciples. Lord, I know Satan's going to come and try to distract us from doing that. 
Father, so we just rebuke Satan. We resist him. And Lord, we just pray that you will open doors of opportunities as we seek to help people know what it looks like to follow Jesus. Maybe that's the desire of our heart. God, bring a couple men or a couple women into the life, Father, of these men and women that they can begin to disciple, that they can begin to open the word of God with and encourage them and, and, and just minister to them and help them to become like Jesus. Father, give us opportunities this week. There's lost people all around us. Oh God, give us a burning yes so that we'll open our mouths and speak the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have a song of response, of invitation. Um, if the Lord has spoken to you, you can come and kneel and pray. You can come forward, um, and then, uh, then we'll have a time of sharing uh, after that. So let's worship together. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. Great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me this depart. tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within upward I look and see him there and into all my sin because a sinless Savior died my sinful soul is counted free Justice satisfied to look on him and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me.
Let's take a couple minutes and just praise the Lord together for some work that he's doing in some people's lives. Yeah. You guys want to come stand up here with me? Come join me up here. So this is David and Sarah, a.k.a. Larry's mom and dad back there. Larry, just wave your hand if people don't know. You can see the resemblance, I'm sure, right there. So they have been visiting with us for a little while, and we had a chance this past week to meet in my office and, and talk. And so... Um, so Sarah is actually a member of Northside, but she's an inactive member. She was attending and, and stopped attending and had been attending other churches, but actually never moved her membership. So she's just coming this morning to say, hey, I'm here. I'm going to be an active member again. And so we rejoice in that. So would you rejoice in that decision for her? Now, David used to attend, but he never joined. He never became a member, and so just got to hear his story. He is a believer in Jesus Christ, followed him uh, in baptism, and so he's coming by statement this morning because the church that, where his membership is, we're not even sure if it exists anymore, and so we're, just gonna, we're going by statement, and so they're here, they're excited, um, and uh, just praying for us and want to encourage you, and so would you rejoice with his decision as well? All right, if y'all want to just have a seat for me right there, before you leave to go home, just stop by, shake a hand, uh, hug a neck, and just uh, let them know that you're excited. All right, I got one more. Come on, brother. So, so give me a minute, because I want to share, share a little bit of a story here. So months ago, and y'all heard from Miss Carol, and the aneurysm and, and her being in the hospital. And so the day that I went to the hospital, eventually made it to the right one, um, Tim and I had some conversations. And Tim said, when my wife is better and she comes home, comes back to church, I'm going to be there with her. And so he held to his promise. So he came to me last week and he said, Pastor, I want to be a member. I said, all right, let's have a conversation. So we stepped outside last week, and I'm going to share some of this conversation because I think it's important. It highlights some things that I talked about this morning, but also highlights just the work of God. So I said to him, point blank, I said, Tim, are you a Christian? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life when you had did that? And right off the bat, he knew. Yes, when I was 12 years old, I followed the Lord in baptism. And so I, I followed up with that. Are you absolutely 100% sure? It's not up to me to question that. Have you made that profession of faith? And he said, yes. And then I asked him, have you been in church much since then? 
And he said, no, most of his life he's not been in church. And so what Tim is doing is he's coming to join by statement of a profession of faith in Jesus that he's followed him in baptism, but also, I think, in repentance, because what I see in him right now is a fire for Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus. And so would you all rejoice in that? He's an example, and I don't think you'll mind me sharing this, of what I talked about, where a lot of people made that profession of faith, but they were never discipled, never taught what it looked like. But in the conversation, and it's been evident, Sunday school, men's, I mean, he is on fire for the Lord right now, and he's following Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. And so, man, I just rejoice in that, brother, and I've been looking forward to this day, man. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. All right, man, if you'll sit right there. And I'm sure Miss Carol's excited as well, right? <laughs> she's smiling up here. She's, she's beaming. So um, I just praise, and I praise God for what he's doing. Um, so maybe your situation is kind of like David and Sarah's. You're a believer, and you've been involved in church, and now this is where you need to be. Or maybe it's more like Tim. You, you, maybe you've not been in church for a long time, and now you've got this burning desire to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're an unbeliever and don't know Jesus. And I believe God's working. Would you surrender to that and listen to the Lord as he's working in your heart? Just two things before um, we're dismissed. One, in your bulletin, you see an announcement. Um, parents, hold your applause for a parent's night out. I'm just kidding, parents. You can clap for that if you want, if you're excited about that. So what this is going to look like is we're going to try to do this quarterly. It's an opportunity for parents to be able to bring their kids here for three hours once a quarter. But in order to do that, to give them a time out, parents' night out, it's going to be intentional. We're going to give those parents questions. We want them to talk about those questions over dinner. They may not get time to do that a lot or to get out a lot. But in order for that to happen, because we've got a lot of kids right now, we need volunteers. And so eventually, at some point, the couples who take advantage of this, we're going to need you probably to serve one time a year. But what I would love is to have enough people volunteer three hours a year to say, hey, I will come and love on these kids because I think it's important for these parents to spend some time alone investing in their marriage. And so if you are willing to serve at some point, I need you to see Heather McMichael. We're going to get our youth involved. We want to get some adults involved. We're going to do it kind of like a VBS where the kids go from station to station. So you don't have to necessarily teach something. You can say, hey, I'll just bring kids from one area to another like I do at Bible school. I can do that. Heather's in the nursery. See her. She'll ask you where are some areas that you like to serve and just let her know I'm willing to help. The first one is on the calendar. The information is there. Parents, you can start signing up for that next week if you want to bring your kids. But it's a great ministry um, for us. Chris, are you the deacon of the week? Is that correct? All right, there we go. If you'll come, dismiss us with a word of prayer. Please come by. See David and Sarah. See Tim. Just, just let them know that you're praying for them and you're going to help them become more like Jesus. Would you stand? Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Also, don't forget to give on your way out for the Gideon uh, ministry. Thank you. Dearly Father, thanks for the opportunity to have been here today. Uh, I pray that uh, we would uh, believe and uh, go beyond the, uh, the walls of this church and all the bees that uh, we're going to be doing. Uh, thank for these who have uh, decided to join our church, Lord. I pray we'd be uh, faithful to help disciple them, Lord. And uh, I pray you bring us back safe tonight. Let's say this in Jesus' name. Amen.